Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Not that hard, okay? All right, get the out of here. I'm going to talk a lot about drills and fundamentals. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it! On 93.5. Watch it! And 107.5. Boom, baby! The Fan. Kevin, it's perfect out, right? Can we just say that? Like, how much easier is it to get up and come in here and do the show today than, like, January 8th? Yeah, I've been, like, uh, I've been rocking, haven't even sniffed, obviously, any sort of jacket situation, but I do feel like we're approaching that time where uh, my armpits will be sweating by the time I get to the car. Okay. That, that wasn't really where I was going with that, but it is a gorgeous morning out, right? And then, of course, I always think about this, and I don't know, maybe it's a lot of just weather. Are, are you a spray-on deodorant guy or roll-on deodorant guy? Uh, certainly a roll. And and you go the clear or the white? Uh, clear. See, I wish I could do that, but I have some allergy to it. You, you go with uh, the scented? Like, it's 94 on Saturday. Can you imagine this last week? Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be rough. How many? What's the percentage of the three hundred and thirty thousand people inside of IMS that wait to see the weather before they commit to going? Like, how many of 20. the three hundred and thirty thousand would have said no if it was ninety four on race day? I don't know if it's that as much as like if there was like chance of rain. People, like, yeah, but ninety four is rough, man. I mean, you're that's a good call. I mean, ninety four. It's got to be one of the hotter five hundreds ever, yeah. if that would be the case. I mean, it, you're right. It would be, it, you know, what the, it, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. Like yesterday, there were a couple of times where like the, you get kind of that, like you can almost feel the moisture and the sun coming through and it's just, ugh, it's just gross, right? Yeah. June 1st today, it feels or is going to feel a little bit like mid-July. I like that. I like that uh, Old Spice Fiji. Do you, do you use that one? No, I, I just use... Excuse uh, me, Mark? That's what I use. You use my Old Spice Fiji? That's disgusting. Is it Arctic Edge? I, I, I kind of forget. Anybody want to sponsor this segment? Arctic Edge? I, I believe Is that a right guard product called. or is that uh, Old Spice? I think it's a right guard. Now, right guard has... What's the one with the green and the yellow? That's a, that's a nice scent, too. Good Thursday morning to you. Sport fresh. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry. Graham is on the ones and twos. Graham from UND today. Uh, taking a turn on the ones and twos as Mark Dykton observes very closely. Uh, Alan Carpet going to join us here very early. We've got some Purdue chatter, of course, to get to. Um, he's coming up around, was that 745, Mark? 730? Yep. 745 for Alan Carpet And Scott Agnes at 9 o'clock. Uh, easily the biggest draft prospect so far uh, to work out for the Pacers coming in town today as we are three weeks away from the NBA draft. We are about 13 hours away from the NBA Finals. And Jake, last night... Uh, they were throwing them back at Harry's in West Lafayette, right? Yeah, it was uh, later in, in into celebration. The I should say, not Correct. sorrow. Uh, it was later into the evening when it was announced that Zach Eady will, in fact, return to Purdue. I don't think that was a huge surprise. Although I do think people maybe were sweating a little bit the longer that we went. Um, I feel like I was waiting for like a Purdue Iowa game to start at nine o'clock last night. Bigger question is, does he go back to back as a Wooden Award winner? You know, I thought the stat was pretty interesting. It certainly makes sense. Um, we had, I think it was a 13-year run there where the National Player of the Year did not return to school. And now, thanks to extinction is too hard of a word, or is too critical because look at Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. But with how big men are typically used in today's NBA and the arrival of NIL, uh, we've got now back-to-back years where the National Player of the Year has returned to school. It was Oscar Shibway at Kentucky last year, and now it's Zach Eady at Purdue this year. Yeah, Jake, I mean, you, you kind of felt like, or you just assumed, and maybe this is just how given, like, how Edie's wired, and again, the fact that he wasn't getting a first-round guarantee, or at least you didn't think he was, that he would return, but boy, he certainly took this up to the final couple of hours there. Um, and I don't think this is going to be an issue, but I do think it's something you bring up every time you see a guy flirt with the NBA for as long as Edie did and then return to school. Does he change his ways at all? That, I'll be curious to see if Matt Painter incorporates. This is what's going to be very intriguing and interesting to watch, Kevin. 
Purdue has Matt Painter, I think, has a very set and defined and clear, those are all three synonyms, I realize, the style of what he wants Purdue basketball to look like, okay? And I do think that Purdue does not want to get caught up in, and Matt Painter has made a concerted effort to not necessarily, from a recruiting standpoint, get caught up in the pay for play, even though NIL's changed that, right? But like, hey, I'm going there to help help get me to the league. I think Matt Painter is still one of those kind of old school coaches where it's like, no, if you come here, you're going to play for Purdue. Yeah, I don't see very uh, many false promises being handed out by Matt Correct. Painter. Correct. And so a compromise of that would be, listen, we are not, you're not coming here to get like the biggest NIL pocketbook or whatever, even though they now, Zach E... What I'm getting at long-winded here is I think Zach Eady now has the opportunity to display for Matt Painter the proof that, listen, if you are that kind of player, we can make it work for you here at Purdue. We can get you some NIL money, and in addition to that, if he works it in, I'll work some things within our system that allow and showcase you to show what you can do to prepare you for the next level. I don't think that they're going to go full-on. Thomas Bryant, when he came back in Indiana – the question mark was, could Thomas Bryant shoot the three? And I thought Indiana, Kevin, got a little bit handcuffed by the fact that Tom Crean basically said to Thomas Bryant, like, cool, shoot five threes a game. And it came out of the structure of their offense. Right. I do think that Edie has shown enough flashes outside of the lane in terms of like his shooting ability. I don't think you need to do it on every set, but are there times where Painter is going to orchestrate within what they want to do offensively to use Edie away from the basket a little bit just to give him the chance to show that, yes, in fact, he can do that? If they do that, and if it's within the scope of their offense, then that allows Painter to then go to future recruits and go, hey, if you have NBA skill, you can showcase it at Purdue. You don't need to go to Arizona, Kentucky, and Kansas. So it's it's a unique opportunity for Purdue as well, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting angle that you bring up, Jake, because while Thomas Bryant and Tom Crean catered a little bit more to what the NBA opinion was on him or what they wanted to see more of, you know who didn't do that? Mike Woodson, Trace Jackson Davis. Like Trace Jackson Davis didn't right. sniff shooting perimeter jumpers right. after flirting with the NBA. And publicly, both parties, I think Woodson and Trace Jackson Davis made some comments like, yeah, you know, we're going to explore a little bit more perimeter-oriented stuff and, you know, maybe shooting shots that are whatever, 15 feet and longer. And IU never went... So credit to those two for realizing this is a damn good college basketball player. Don't mess with it. (laughs) Like, that sort of feeling. If it comes in the general flow, if it's 1-3 every game, maybe Edie will do that. Matt Painter strikes me as the last coach that would bend over backwards to all of a sudden catering to whatever NBA scouts potentially desire in a player. But that is something I think that, again, anytime you have a guy flirt with the draft for as long as Edie did, it is a question. I think you have a couple of trickle-down questions off of this Edie decision. What happens with Trey Kaufman, Rand, and Caleb first? You know, both were five-star recruits. I also think both were five-star recruits that aren't necessarily wired like five-star recruits in that they both played for, you know, 2A and 3A schools in the state of Indiana. Um, Both have been very content, seemingly, with their roles at Purdue. I mean, Trey Kaufman ran redshirted as a freshman. How many five-stars do you see do that? But do they both want to stay there for another year? And maybe it's more Kaufman-Ren than first, but I think that is a question that you have to have for Purdue. Uh, And then on the flip side, if you want to go down to Bloomington, now that the draft deadline has come and passed, and yes, Jalen Huchifino and Trace Jackson Davis are in the draft for good, but IU still has a scholarship to play with, do they benefit from any of these guys going back to school or vice versa? Like in Purdue's case, again, Edie comes back. Does Purdue now have a subtraction from a guy that maybe was saying to himself, hey, I was going to hold on and see if Edie was going to declare, but now that he's coming back, I might explore my options. Does that happen at any other schools around the nation? And does IU kind of enter the fray there for a guard or a shooter? That is where I think Indiana could benefit here. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's only been one Wooden Award winner that has won it twice. Mark, you know who that is? Is Mark still here? Did he did he quit? I haven't started drinking yet. <laughs> Kevin, do you know? Give us a decade. 
80s. Uh, here's your hint. This guy was, I mean, in college, he was thought to be Victor Webamyama, basically. Samson? Yep. And then in the pros, he was a really good player, and then it kind of fell off quickly. Ralph Samson, yep. I mean, we saw last year Shibway going back to school. He obviously did not win it. Zach Eady was – I mean, I, there's no reason why Zach Eady won't be as dominant as he was last year. Uh, you know, certainly Purdue brings back pretty much everybody besides Brandon Newman. Does how it ended this year hurt Edie's chances of being a national player of the year next year? In other words, if he has the same level of dominance, are people going to look at it and go, yeah, we saw that last year? I, I just feel like it's hard to argue against the numbers. I know there is kind of a don't vote for the MVP again. Like there is that sort of thought process from voters. but right. Like Carl Malone was a more valuable player than Michael Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It, it, Jake, it is a reminder, and I know Purdue fans, you know, are celebrating today, but you know, I thought to myself last night, the final six minutes of that Fairleigh Dickinson game, they didn't shoot a single two point shot. Yeah. You know, what do they th- there's more of a bullseye on them, obviously, preseason. They have a great non conference schedule. They're in Maui, they're, you know, playing Bama north of the border, all of that. Um but just stylistically, you know, do they play better off Edie? Do they hit more of the open shots? I mean, they should theoretically continue to get open shots based off the presence that Edie commands. So we'll chat more about that with Alan Carpet coming up in a few. I did think, and Jake, welcome to 2023 college basketball. If I have this right, I think Purdue basketball retweeted Edie's tweet announcing his return. Um Run It Back, I believe, was the caption there. He had the Wolf of Wall Street gif that is very popular for these sorts of announcements. And the next tweet was Purdue Basketball retweeting their NIL store. I saw Celebrate that. Zach's return and that. show your love. Yeah. All ED merchandise, 15% off for a limited time. There is Zach is back shirts. So welcome to College Athletics in the year. 2023. Here's a, here's a little trivia question for you, Kev. You ready? Yeah. Having nothing to do with this. That's but, two trivia questions here early in the morning. Well, that's what I do. I actually got some sleep last night, so that's good. God, hallelujah. Have you watched the Ted Lasso finale yet? Yes, watched it last night. Would you agree with my assessment? We're giving away no spoilers, but would you agree with my assessment that like good, but kind of just straightforward and nothing like overly, holy cow, I'm going to stare at the screen for five minutes? Yeah. That's probably kind of underwhelming. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know what bomb I was looking for that wasn't necessarily dropped. Well, we could discuss, but then it would be maybe. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of a one. It, it didn't necessarily. Well, again, I'm not going to go too deep into it. But yes, we watched that. Uh, and then, you know, Jake, I know you were probably locked in. I was uh, locked into the NCAA Golf Championships. I, <laughs> Terrific theater yeah. between Florida and Georgia Tech. Absolutely totally great drama. Yeah. Prime time, solo spot on a Wednesday night. What the hell else are you watching on a Wednesday night right now? No, you, you, you're right. I mean, I was locked in. That's correct. It was. I'm surprised I slept last night. Chomp, before. chomp. Anthony Richardson's Gators get it done there at Greyhawk out in Arizona. Are they sponsored by Lacoste? That would make sense, wouldn't it? It would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had ordered with the Australians here for the race. I ordered, and Austra- I think I'd mentioned on Carb Day, I had ordered from uh, a large online shopping institution. Oh. I-, I ordered an Australian flag. I uh-huh. thought it'd be fun for the parade for the Australians to have a flag of Australia, and even maybe for the race. And when I ordered it, it said, like, you know, we'll arrive Friday. Perfect. Parade is Saturday. Race is Sunday. And then, of course, on Friday afternoon, I get a thing. It's now been changed to Tuesday. Well, that does me no good. So thank you to Christy, who let me borrow her Australian flag. Told the story about how that worked out. It was great. Yesterday, There was was some woman in front of us at Carb Day yelling about the Australian flag. Was that her? Yeah. So I went to her house and picked it up, and that's what they used, and Will Power went crazy. And so I had the Australian flag arrived yesterday in the mail. I'm like, no, what am I going to do with this? It was not expensive. And I'm like, I could take it back and return it and do all that. I'm old. I I know all you have to do is like hand it to somebody at Kohl's or whatever, but I I didn't want to do that. So I thought, well, who, who do I know that could use this where I could just donate it? And I, my first thought was like the international school. And I'm like, yeah, but they have, I'm sure they have flags of everywhere. They certainly, when you drive by, it certainly looks like they do. Right. So I called a, a place 
and asked for the person overseeing said place and explained the situation. And they said, oh, that'd be wonderful. Uh, really? Are you being serious? Like, you, like, And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you guys can have it. So I went in to drop it off. And like the whole staff came out. Like you'd have thought that I was dropping off the drum set of the Beatles. Yeah. And they could not have been nicer, but they were super excited. They like had already picked out how they were going to use it. Outback Steakhouse? Correct. Really? And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Bloomin' <laughs> Onion for life for jQuery. So, so listen to this. Fosters <laughs> you on are, draft. You are exactly correct on both. So I go in there, and I have the Australian flag, and they're like, oh my gosh. And like the cook came out, and the general manager came out. This is Patty Mills' third manager- out and they're like Greg Norman's like, second cousin. Look, we, we picked like a spot on the wall where we're gonna hang it. And this is so cool, and and I mean it was wonderful. I, I was appreciative of the fact they were appreciative. They're like, do you want dinner? And I said, well, actually, because we're going tonight. Uh, the Tracksuits and Tiger Queens, which is the group text that I'm on with a bunch of people from North Central, they are insistent that we go to Sun King tonight to celebrate my college graduation. And I'm like, I, I don't want to celebrate my graduation. I should have done it 30 years ago, but I'll go and have beer, right? So we're going to Sun King tonight. So beforehand now, we're going to go to dinner and Outback because they're like, free dinner on Look up. Like, the red carpet's <laughs> going to be out. Totally. So my question after all of that, once the dust settled and I'm driving home and I'm happy about this feel-good Ted Lasso-esque story of just you know nice people at the Outback Steakhouse and they were wonderful in Castleton and then it dawned on me Kevin in the 30 years that place has been there how has there never been like a general manager that's like we should probably get an Australian flag yeah right? I can't say I've ventured Outback Steakhouse too many times so uh, I just probably assumed that there was an Australian flag I mean, in there like if you go to La Hacienda there's probably a Mexican flag sure. in there right sure you go to yeah, Union Japanese Jack or some yeah right I mean, yeah. you go to any Irish pub, there's an Irish flag, like a hundred of them. I did find it interesting, and I think I have this correct. I asked the Australians on Friday at Carb Day where Will Power would rank in like most famous athletes in Australia, and I thought one of them said like top 20. I think they said amongst, but they kept giving the disclaimer, amongst race fans. Oh, see, I thought they said amongst race fans he'd be one, but... In general, I, I thought one of them said top twenty, top ten, and then the other one kind of said, "Ah, pump the brakes, top 20. I'm thinking, I, I mean, nothing against Joseph Newgarden, but he's probably not a top five hundred American athlete. Here's what, here's the way that I think is the best to explain it. Maybe top thousand. I, I mean, I've said this before, but here in the United States, the like Zach Eady, we're sitting here talking about is Zach Eady an NBA player, right? And. Yogi Ferrell is a good example. Yogi Ferrell is playing professionally. Where is he playing now? Is he in Boy, that's a good question. Israel or like Italy maybe? That's a good question. But he's like the most valuable player of the league he plays in. And is a really good player. Henry Williams was a guy that played at Ben Davis and played at University of Charlotte that was a really good European player. Made tons of money over in Europe for years. We think of in the United States, the NBA is the creme de la creme. And if you're in the NBA, that's the top basketball league. And then what do we say about guys that are college players? You know, the Troy Williams of the world, the the Yogi Ferrells of the world. We say like, oh, well, he's he's making pretty good money over in Europe. Okay. Now, Stefan Marbury. Oh, he's making huge money over in China. Will Power would be to Australia that equivalent because to them formula one is the creme de la creme that is their nba so if somebody says like hey do you remember like that kid from toowoomba will power that used to win like all the australian sports car championships whatever happened to him oh he's making really good money racing over in the states oh okay so there's that big of a drop off I think in their mind there is, yeah. I, I think for sure Formula One is... I, I don't think there's any comparison. I just think you know, the Indy 500 prominence is I certainly do, different than you know the Israel League's championship game to that's, us in that, the States. That is certainly fair. Yes, you are correct in that. But I think that... But again, I think the, the Indy 500... Will Power winning the Indy 500 to Australia would be the equivalent of if we were to see... Trey Lyles winning the Olympic gold medal while playing for Team Canada. You know what I mean? I'd like to see Trey Lyles here on the Pacers next year. He's a free agent. I think he'd be a nice, you know, 
Eighth, ninth guy. He does seem stretch the floor a little. Yeah, he. You know, Lyles Not a nice is, niche role. Lyles is interesting because when he has gotten opportunity in the NBA, you know, he's played. His journey started out so circuitously, almost at no fault of his. He, he was getting traded all over the place, but when he's gotten opportunity and gotten minutes, he's been a nice player, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's had a nice, nice career. I mean, hell, it's probably going on a decade now, which is just amazing to to think of. Uh, I was happy to see among all of the kind of declarations, Jake, yesterday, going pro, coming back. You did see Armand Franklin who worked out for the Pacers yesterday. The Cathedral product played at IU for a couple seasons before transferring to UVA. He is keeping his name in the NBA draft. But I was really happy for Dusty May. Uh, Elijah Martin, who had a really nice tournament run, and I thought actually had some NBA potential, uh, and probably does. Uh, And John L. Davis from Gary, both of them returning to FAU. So I believe FAU brings back pretty much everybody. And again, it, I think there was some concern when the season ended. Hey, they're gonna they're gonna start looking at the FAU players in the portal. They're gonna start offering yeah. a big money. Dusty May brings back. I think it's everybody. Uh, can they do what Butler did in year two? I still think the Butler year two was more impressive, considering they had lost Gordon Hayward. You know, I think a couple French pieces and Willie Beasley and Avery Jukes, but. Uh, FAU, by all accounts, you would think they're going to be a preseason top five team. Can, isn't that crazy? I mean, can they? Can FIU? Does he need to leave FIU or F, FAU? I, I keep saying FIU. See, that's that's probably his biggest problem, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Boca or Miami? I, um, I, I, I get totally confused by it. But you know, can he? It, aren't they going to? Are they going to? Con- Graham? Will, will, they are leaving. Will you look that up. is going to Conference USA. I think that's right. Were they in the Metro? What were they in? Oh, no, they were in... Um, were they in Conference USA? Oh, now on. they're going to the American? Bingo. That's correct. I've confused that's, myself. That's correct. Graham, will you double-check that? Florida Atlantic, where were they last year? Where are they going? W- what's Mark doing? Is he sleeping? I should be. <laughs> I, I do kind of forget that Mark is here. I know. Just from a vantage standpoint. Has, hasn't said a word. I can't really see him over there. I know. Looks like we stand. We, we, don't, we have no tangible proof that Mark Dykton still works here. Uh, Taryn Shannon, all Big Ten first teamer from Illinois. He is returning to the Fighting Illini. So outside of Edie, probably the most prominent name coming back to the Big Ten. I, the Back to your point about Florida Atlantic. I do think that you have like a couple year window to cash in. You know, George Mason. You know, George Mason, their challenge was they lost their coach because Jim Laranega left. Um, you know, Gonzaga, when they first broke through, they were able to build on it and you see what you, what you have there now, right? Butler, obviously, when they broke through, their coach, eventually they lost their coach, but they still have been able to maintain, certainly at a higher level of where they were when it all began. You do wonder for Florida Atlantic if Dusty May sticks around a while, or does Florida Atlantic's biggest advantage, Kevin, might have come at the fact that they had their Final Four run in a year when there were no big job openings. So it's like, hey. Well, he, excuse me? The one in South Bend? Okay. Actually, that was filled before it, wasn't it? No, I, I again, I I would agree with you. Notre Dame is not a big basketball job, but thank you to Michael Shrewsbury. I did have a conversation yesterday. Uh, I'm so happy Michael Shrewsbury is Notre Dame's coach. Have I told you that? Yeah, well, I'm aware. Um, apparently, so I I had a long conversation, like an an hour conversation on the phone yesterday with Nick Gardner. No, sure. And you know he he knows Shrewsbury well and was going on about how your excitement is justified. I actually ran into Nick Gardner. Um, he's got some. Some young boys, a couple years older than my children, ran into him in the neighborhood, and uh, we had that conversation. He is very excited. Gosh, and I'm trying to think of what he told me to. There was something he wanted me to tell Micah next time that we had the conversation. I go, well, there might be a restraining order from the, those in South Bend on how many times we can have Michael Shrewsbury on the uh, phone. Graham, a- any luck with that? Yeah, all it said was that they have been in the USA Conference and they're still in the USA Conference. I thought they were American-bound. No, they're, they're, they're leaving for sure. I'm sure of it. I think American-bound on that end. Again, it, it could be basketball only. Is that possible? Well, I feel like football-wise, haven't they had like some note? Wasn't Lane Kiffin there? Tom Herman? Again, Is was Tom it, Herman there But now? was that that or, or... I think FIU was T.Y. Hilton action. Okay. 
By the way, I saw T.Y. Hilton's son is a The Owls recruit. are in the National Collegiate Athletic Association Division One, members of the Conference USA. On October 21st, 2021, Florida Atlantic accepted an invitation to join the American Athletic Conference and will become a full-time member on July 1st, 2023. This is currently beginning day number one of the final month of Conference USA for Florida Atlantic. Beth, pour one out in the villages for their time <laughs> in Conference USA. Didn't we have someone call in? Yeah. Your ge- your geography on where the villages are doesn't match up with where Boca Raton is. You know, apologies on that end. Uh, again, Alan Carpet going to join us here in a little bit to talk more about Zach Eady's return to Purdue. Seemingly, again, all positive on that end. We'll talk with Alan. Any trickle-down effect roster-related with that. Scott Agnes at 9 o'clock. What the hell is Dykton doing? Did you just witness this? Did you just witness this? Well the, well, the last blind isn't shut. Well, they looked like they were Mark by. comes over. So those that don't know, there are three huge windows That was here kind of a wild move by Mark. The, I thought he did that on purpose. <laughs> there are three windows that face Monument Circle here. We have the, the, a fabulous location, and I thank myself every morning. Uh, not myself. I thank those that I'm fortunate enough to have this view every morning. Thank myself. I like me some I, I do <laughs> thank myself more. a lot. Every once in a while, I get up and I just say to myself, Jake, I'd like to thank you for being you. Boo and, just pooped and, all over the floor. <laughs> And so we have blinds in each of the three windows, one of which hits Kevin and I, the other two of which hits Mark. He just gets up, sombers over from his Golden Grahams-induced nap, closes the blinds on two-thirds of the window, and then literally Kevin and I are sitting here getting napalmed into yesteryear. Mark just sombers off. I will say, I was like, is there beef between Mark and Jake on the side here that he just left that one open? I think, I honestly, Mark, what time did you go to bed or have you? No, we watched the Ted Lasso finale. I went to bed at probably like 11.45. 11.45, Mark Dykton. He didn't even chime in on that. Now, you know something I am happy about time-wise? Did you guys see the tip time for tonight? 8.30, right? Ooh. I feel like we've bumped it up a half hour, right, with the NBA Finals? Didn't they used to all be at 9? Is that right? I, I mean, I know I feel that like in years past it was nine, eight thirty tonight, eight o'clock on Sunday for Game Two. So it looks like during the week, still the eight thirty tip heat, times. Heat steal one tonight, but on Sunday, Jake, you can get a lot of money for that. Did you see the line? No, eight and a half rising to nine. Heat steal one tonight. Something's got to give. The Heat have won game one in all three of their series. The Nuggets are undefeated at home. The debate about the layoff versus, you know, altitude, all of that. We'll see how that goes tonight. But certainly, if you like the Heat, you can get some pretty, pretty good odds on that here for game one. Again, Graham is on the board with us. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Alan Carpet coming up a little bit later in the 7 o'clock hour. Scott Agnes at 9. It is easily the biggest prospect name to work out for the Pacers. Yet, in this draft cycle, three weeks from tonight will be the NBA draft. We'll chat more about who's in town today for a solo workout with the Pacers. You'll listen to Kevin Query on a steamy Thursday in Indy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, you can read his work, of course, at Golden Black. That's part of the On3.com family. I hope I got that part correct. Alan Karpik, who I think, Alan, that we knew probably that what we got in terms of news yesterday was going to happen. Zach Eady returning to Purdue. And I'll get right to my first question for you, and that is, do you think – it's a delicate balance. I don't think that Purdue wants to completely like throw a monkey wrench into the way they do the Purdue way, to use that cliche, but does Matt Painter orchestrate maybe a few things offensively to, to better show an offensive versatility for Zach Eady's benefit moving forward so that then they, they can say to players moving forward, see, if you come to Purdue, we will give you the opportunity to showcase yourself for the next level. Well, I think that'll happen uh, in all likelihood just because if you go back to Caleb Swanigan a couple of years ago, different players, I understand, but Swanigan, they brought him more on the court. Uh, and again, obviously, Swanigan, his freshman year, wasn't National Player of the Year. But uh, this is a guy that um, they did want to showcase a little bit more than do. Matt Painter will want to do that. Uh, I think Purdue has to play a little bit differently too. You're going to look at that roster and you say, how do you, how do you mix, how do you share 200 minutes, so to speak, between that group? 
So, uh, you know, I, I expect them to play a little bit differently in, in certain ways, and I think they're going to do everything they can, stating the obvious here, to make themselves as tournament-ready as possible. Alan, I want to go back to kind of what Jake was getting at there to lead things off. Um, were there nerves in West Lafayette? I mean, I'm sitting there like at 9 o'clock last night being like, boy, it's bad yeah, enough I, waiting for some random Big Ten game to start at 9 o'clock. Here I am waiting for Zach Eady's announcement. Like, he, he took it you know, pretty much to the deadline. Yeah, Jake, I, I would agree that it wasn't a foregone. In fact, we were hearing a lot of things uh, the night before and wrote it on our website. Brian Newbert did about, uh, you know, hearing things going the other way. I think it, uh, he was in and with all, you know, he should have been doing this, trying to figure out what the best opportunity was going to be for him. Uh, I think that there were some last minute, you know, at least thoughts that he had to go into. Jackie is not a guy that likes to, uh, he's not a big social media guy, not a guy necessarily that, uh, that uh, wants all that attention on himself. So I, that gives me reason to believe that there were some discussions going on and it was a hard choice for him because the only thing he tweeted, I think, in the month of May was you know, basically saying, I don't know why everybody, everybody seems to know where I'm going when, when I don't. I think that was on May the 17th. And, and I, I take him at that. I think he was really trying to uh, take this and run this up as far up the flagpole as he could. I think uh, everything we can gather that Purdue is ready to, or the Boilermaker Alliance or Purdue's NIL, the opportunity to, to make sure he was well taken care of. But I don't know that it was a foregone conclusion. You're absolutely right. There were people at nine o'clock last night or nine sixteen, right before he, right before he tweeted that uh, uh, he was going to run it back. But uh, that uh, there were certainly some serious questions at that point. Can Alan Karpik with us from Golden Black and more into the Zach Eady decision to return to Purdue? You know, obviously, Alan, the, the NIL aspect, we, you saw it last night. I mean, after Purdue retweeted Zach Eady, they retweet their NIL store to talk about the merchandise that's on sale, um, you know, for Zach Eady shirts about running it back and the international visa debate with Eady as well. If you could clarify for our audience, from an NIL standpoint, will Eady make substantially more this year than he was last? year and how much of that is to do with you know a his prominence and b the fact that his prominence has led to the visa situation not being uh, as much of an issue well i think he will make more i don't know we don't know exactly what his figures were last year uh, but I have to believe that uh, it's going to be significantly more this year, and he's significantly more marketable too. I mean, he's he is a national story now. He's a national brand both in Canada and in the United States, and and uh, I think that that's uh, pretty much goes without saying. How much that is, you know, you hear all these figures—a million and a half, a million. You know, I don't know. They're not releasing those figures, and my guess is they won't. Um, but it certainly is a is a plus for the for the Boilermaker Alliance, and, and certainly produce NIL situation now he may have uh, drained drained it a little bit in terms of the their resources too but we'll find that out as time goes on but certainly um it was an example this is today's world where you get that opportunity to come back because because of the nil money and it's significant alan in terms of the ripples from this and it's hard to say ripples because you're not throwing a pebble into new water i mean zach Eady was there last year but correct in terms of players that maybe were anticipating that they were going to get more opportunity this year and things stay the same, will this have implication of any transfers? That's a reality in today's basketball. And secondly, what does Purdue do to take care of the situations that led to their ouster, which were not related to Zach Eady? Right. I mean, I, I think if you're talking about Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Caleb first, and their and their their potential lack of minutes, or certainly they would have had a lot more had Jack Eady stayed. You know, who knows? I mean, I, I don't see any sign of that happening. We don't see that. But uh, the, either one of those guys taking off, but you have no, you know, you don't know anything for sure. Uh, I, I think too, the best thing Purdue's got going forward is is uh, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith are a year older. Uh, you've got Lance Jones coming in. This is a team. My Miles Colvin that uh, is going to and and certainly uh, Cameron Heidi going to be different in some ways than it was last year. Yes, 
Uh, you got to, I mean, I, I don't want to simplify what happened at the end of the NCAA tournament. With five for 26 from three, uh, that had a lot to do with some untimely turnovers. If you just make some of those, things are a little bit different, but they didn't. And so you got to fix that. You got to put yourself in the best position to have success in the tournament. You have to hope that there's no doubt that Smith and Lawyer wore down toward the end of the 23 season. You have to hope that you're going to be in a position to, to A, they're going to be a year older, uh, understand what it takes to get this done and take a step forward. Both those guys really are, are really talented freshmen. If you just take that and look at the way that those guys played, for the most part, Lawyer certainly struggled more in the second half of the Big Ten season. But my point is, uh, it's a pretty good place to start. Alan Karpik from Golden Black with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Certainly, lawyer, you know, regaining that shot, finding more of it would, would would be something you would like to see from a newcomer standpoint, Alan. And you just mentioned a few names there. Who do you think w- would have maybe the biggest benefit, or or who would Im- who will impact the most? You know, is it Colvin, the SIU transfer? I think it's Lance Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, you right. know, a couple of those under the radar redshirt guys that you mentioned. Who do you think of the newcomers will have the biggest impact? Well, Miles Colvin probably have the most attention on him just because of where he comes from and, and the fact that he's an Indianapolis guy and, and, a, and, a, and a legacy, so to speak, uh, at Purdue. And a guy that, uh, if you look at what Purdue was missing last year on, on paper, he's exactly what Purdue needs, a guy that can take the ball to the basket, create some things uh, from the wing position. So that, uh, but that's a simple answer to it. You know, I think that with Matt Painter and any other good basketball coach, uh, you go through practice practice and you figure out uh, what you have. You know, Cam and Heidi, they like a lot. Redshirt guy out of Minnesota. Uh, and they certainly wouldn't have brought Lance Jones in if they didn't think he could play. He's going to be a little different type of player than David Jenkins, uh, but uh, he may have to fill, fulfill some of that same role. But they need, uh, Purdue needs balance and Purdue needs to make shots. I mean, <laughs> that's what it came, when Purdue struggled down to second half of the season it was two things they couldn't shoot the basketball very well and they turned the ball over too many times uh that you know the good thing is purdue is a good has got a good base defense the boilermakers like what 24th nationally last year this is a team that does bring a lot to the table there they're not starting from where they were last year and you have to remember last year uh nobody thought you know purdue's time is now it wasn't last year now it looked like it should have been when purdue got to number one but if you look at where purdue was at this time last year, nobody was thinking that the Boilermakers were going to be a team that was capable of winning the Big Ten by three games. So uh, I think it does change because of perspective. Purdue has to uh, mature from that standpoint. If they don't do that, they're going to have may have the same result. But uh, uh, having Zach Eady back gives you a heck of a lot of options of where and what to do heading into the 23-24 season. Lastly for me, Alan, with Zach Eady going basically to the 11th hour before making his announcement, but that he will return. Yeah. Do you believe that's because he was starting to get some hints that in fact he had improved his draft stock, maybe not a first rounder, which he said he needed to be a first rounder, that made it intriguing for him? Or was he waiting until the 11th hour to get news that simply was not even on the radar, which was that he had in fact improved his draft stock? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to guess the former on that. And that is that uh, there were some people that uh, were impressed, uh, and and when he was talking to him, we know we understand he was in Kansas, Kansas City this week. Uh, he uh, he was a guy that uh, that is, is certainly in a position to uh, improve his stock, and uh, and I think he had no, you know, he was going to run out the ground ball here and see where where he needed to be uh, at the end of the day, and I. I think that that's where uh, you know he got he got what he wanted from that standpoint. He's coming back to Purdue. He may not have gotten heard what he wanted exactly yet on the N- on the NBA radar, but he is a guy that uh, is certainly uh, capable of uh, uh, improving his stock. And I think he got the attention of a lot of people uh, heading into this whole situation where uh, he's going to have a chance to get to improve himself in twenty three twenty four, but also. Uh, build what he really wants to get done at the end, and that is uh, to to be a good NBA, make money, a lot of money playing professional basketball. Again, pretty rare to see the defending National Player of the Year return to college basketball, but welcome to NIL in 2023, and welcome to how the NBA kind of views that position as well. Alan, appreciate the time. 
this morning. I know it hopefully will get a little bit quieter for you guys in the summer months <laughs> before football ramps up, but uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, always a privilege, guys. Thanks for having me on. And if you're a Purdue fan, it's a good morning and a lot to look forward to. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Thanks so much. Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. He'll be a busy man this afternoon over at the Pacers facility for Cam Whitmore, the Villanova wing uh, working out for the Pacers. Scott joins us now on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Scott, I'd say easily this is the best prospect they've had in, right? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, absolutely. Leonard Miller was one of a, a group workout yesterday. Until today, he would have been the, the number one guy that they had brought in thus far. Who would you say, you know, what is it, 15, 16? I, I forget the exact number of prospects they've brought in so far. Again, the best one is Whitmore. I guess who would you say on the list so far has been the most intriguing to you or, or maybe to them? Yeah, I think you got It's got to be Whitmore, and uh, they they've already done three workouts, three guys each. So today will be fourth workout with nineteen guys in total, and this is no surprise. They're probably going to push well over fifty uh, as usual. Um, so that that's very typical. Next week, it sounds like they have a workout almost every day. And what's interesting about all of that too is. Because where they're selecting, at least right now, they basically have a pick in almost all the tiers. Yeah. Therefore, that encourages players and especially agents to to send their players to the pitches. Whereas normally, let's take their average, right? They're normally like 20th and 50th. Well, you know, you can really weed out a lot of different players amongst those groups. And if you think your guy's going in the top 15, I think of Aaron Holiday, for instance, back in the day. You know, thought he was going much earlier, did not come for a workout with the Pacers, and then ultimately was still available. So to the larger point, this should allow the Pacers to get a, a much more thorough look at this entire class, which can be helpful not just this year, but, you know, the next couple years and down the road afterwards. But in terms of the best prospect yet, Steph, going to be thus far Cam Whitmore um, who is coming today as a solo workout. Uh, I know that one of the big questions people always have is you know what does that mean because he's solo normally it doesn't mean much other than one of two things. It's usually either it's by agent request and and he does have uh, one of the, the power agents like Ben Matherin did who requested a, a solo workout or it just means hey all of a sudden he has his day available and his schedule and it's not like you can easily find five other guys to come for a workout. And so um, it will be a solo workout. I, I actually think they're less helpful because you don't get to see them against competition. They can get tired easily. This guy's barely eight, barely 18, um, very young. He said he's always one of the younger guys in his class coming up from the DMV out in um, D.C. area. Um, but he, he's one of those fierce competitors that the Pacers really like. Um, and that's kind of been one of the, the attributes they've really sought after starting last year, I think, with Matherin guys. I think it's that it's that guy that wants to win, that hates to lose, that has that um, fierce mentality like Matherin and, and really comes to play every single night. And, and Whitmore is absolutely one of them. Scott, one of the things I wanted to touch on with you, you know, the photo the other day, I don't think it's unusual for Larry Bird to be around the facility, but they, I, I don't know if it was the Pacers or you or whoever it was that said that, you know, he's now officially a consultant again. My understanding was that he had kind of gone away from that title. He had been Pacers president, and now he's back. I know that Donnie Walsh had been a consultant. He's retired. Where do things stand in terms of Larry Bird's contribution, and is this a new title for him with the organization? So this is how I understand it. I reported back on July or in July last year, he was off the books. You know, he, he no longer had a company. Correct. Email. He, he, he was done. That was as of July one of this past year. Then I started to hear in the spring that, hey, keep an eye. Larry may be back. Well, I hadn't seen him. He then was at the first pre-draft workout. That was back on May 12th. So, boom, there was my story, obviously. Larry Bird back in the house. Um, and I talked with Rick Carlisle briefly. He said he had been a consultant with us 
since the beginning of this past season. Um, so that's that's officially what the Pacers have said. This is the first time, though, that I had seen Larry Bird since the pandemic. He had not. He he has always been at, at these draft workouts previously in his previous role as a consultant, um, but had not been there for obvious reasons, just because the the pandemic and spending a lot more time down in South Florida and such. So notable absolutely that he was back in the fold here but again this is just a consultant role he's not in here to make the final decision he i've always been told he loves the draft and the draft workout and seeing these young guys and seeing who pushes pushes themselves and who competes and so i think that's a lot of part part of it is he, he just wants to be back in the fold at least right now and he can like donnie was as you referenced is another um veteran voice that they can bounce ideas off of scott Scott agnes with us here from fieldhouse files scott i want to throw a question at you actually daniel listener emailed this to me earlier and jake and i were getting in the debate of okay three weeks from tonight is the draft do you go best player available do you go best fit you know, and I guess Cam Whitmer kind of falls into that category. He might be the best player available, but is he too similar to a guy like Benedict Matherin? Uh, so I guess I'll ask it from a what you think the Pacers thought process is. Because w- when I hear the Pacers talk about this offseason, they've made it very clear the type of skill set and position mm-hmm. they are looking for. So based off what they are saying, do you feel like the Pacers are almost looking for best fit over best player available if they do indeed take that selection at seven? Yeah, so I, I believe it's best player available, and I and then I even tossed that question at Kevin in Chicago at the pre-draft workout, and he said um, he's done it both ways in the past, and they've both got him into trouble. You know, sometimes it works out best player available, and sometimes fit, but it, it's best player available is all indications and everything he seems to be saying and suggesting, and I and I'm I'm totally on board with that because you need talent. You need the best, highest ceiling talent right now, even if you have to figure out the roster decisions later. I, I think that's the level you, you have to get to right now. And, and for them, there's so many good options right there at that, that wing spot. And Whitaker is a weird spot, right? Because he's like six, six basically without shoes. Well, who plays basketball without shoes? All right, so he's at least six, seven. Um, plays plays kind of that rugged guard spot but more out on the wing is versatile you we heard kevin pritchard during his exit interview basically talk about how they don't even think of get players in traditional positions in terms of one through five they talk more like you know ball handler wing forward you know those sorts of things so i don't get too caught up in those positions it's clear they don't need a center it's clear they don't need a point guard but i think what what they need is everything in between whether it's more shooting whether it's defending and it's certainly at that four spot as a power forward yeah again jarris walker houston taylor Hendricks, central florida two names that i'm pretty intrigued by they are potentially at seven um jake asked about you know a former pacer uh coming back into the fold as a consultant i know it was a little bit of a different role and there is a connection to larry bird but uh, what would you think about a Dan Burke reunion here in Indiana or the possibility of that happening with Philly staff getting canned where Dan was with Doc Rivers? Yeah, I mean, it would make a lot of sense in terms of the comfort, the fit factor. It's actually Rick Carlisle who brought Dan Burke here in the first place from Portland, by the way. Um, but I, I just don't see room on the staff. Where are you going to create room? Uh, Rick's very comfortable with his group, with Lloyd Pierce, with Ron Nora and Mike Weiner, even Jenny Busick behind the bench. Um, I, I, I haven't talked with Dan, I'll tell you that, just yet. I wanted to kind of let things um, settle in after that that abrupt ending there with Philly, both in the playoffs and then um, Doc getting fired. I, I'll be curious what he wants next. Whether he decides kind of fit comfort, uh, uh, you know, a, a fellow head coach that he really enjoys, likes working with, or or does he? choose kind of destination, maybe the, the best option or the highest paying place, uh, things like that. But he, he loved his time in Indy. I can tell you that. He was back several times this past year just alone to ju- check on David Benner. Then he came back incredibly on a back-to-back to be at the the reception that was kind of held in the entry pavilion for David Benner as well. So he has so many close family and friends, but I, I do not know the, his current status. I just don't see it happening the way the Pacers coaching staff is already well-built and set. Scott, do you think – yesterday I saw a story. Scott Agnes is our guest on the Payless Cigars Hotline. 
Brandon Miller, who is the massively talented forward out of Alabama, seemingly exactly what Indiana could use. But there was a story yesterday after the incident with Brandon Miller and the shooting, a fatal shooting that involved a teammate of his where he delivered the bag that had the gun in it. He was never charged. But supposedly during workouts and interviews with teams, he had a letter from his attorney saying that he could not speak on the matter. Will that A, cause Brandon Miller to slide in the draft, and B, would you agree with me that he is a player that the Pacers are in love with? Yeah, so I, I had not heard that, but if that's the case, I mean, for one, you, these, these teams are doing incredible due diligence, and they have been for years. So their, their portfolio of info and intel on, on Brandon Miller is probably – several hundred pages deep at this point. But what I will say is when we were at the pre-draft combine, I was listening in briefly to Brandon and he, he was able and willing to discuss, um, you know, that incident, how it affected him, how he learned from that situation, not to put himself in that scenario, how he's got to be smarter than that. He was apologetic, those sorts of things. So that's why um, that report is a little bit surprising. But yeah, if I'm if I'm one of these teams that bring, is able to bring him in for a pre-draft workout, I want I want the full authentic him, him in terms of telling me the full story of how it went down. So that would be a little bit of a, a yellow flag for me, um, to be clear. In terms of the Pacers' interests, I don't know about uh, I am unclear on whether they you know are in love with the game he would provide to the team i i knew, know it's someone they absolutely have to do their due diligence and i just don't it's going to be difficult i think to move all the way up to those top three spots those are the three spots everybody wants especially one obviously and no way you trade out of one but uh, i i think it's going to take a bounty probably to get up to those top two spots, and I'm just not sure it's worth it. But yeah, and again, two way street there. You know, is Charlotte going to look at themselves as a franchise and say, "Hey, we're going to trade out of two? Um, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files is with us. Scott, I feel like every like by month. The way, I was going to say KB though. Consider the decision Charlotte has though, right? They had all those issues this past year with Bridges and his domestic violence. Uh, I think arrest or dispute or whatever that charge was. To, to a point where he was suspended 30 games, I think he still has another 10 games. And then what if you then bring Brandon Miller into the fold? I don't point. know. Maybe just yeah. from an optic standpoint, that's tough. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you know, Charlotte kind of views that at two. Uh, it seems like when we have you on, I don't know, maybe every couple of months, we're, we're due for a Bally Sports update. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw the story. Do you see the story from the Padres in Major League Baseball? I did, yes. Okay, could you kind of fill our listeners in on that and where things... I know Major League Baseball is different from a Bally standpoint than the NBA. Uh, Obviously, in season, if the NBA was still going on right now, maybe there would be more of a storyline there. But uh, basically, the Padres side of it from Bally Sports and what you've heard about the future with Bally in regards to the Pacers. Yeah, my understanding from that Padres situation was... Bally has certain deals where they can kind of not pay and get out of, and in turn, um, the MLB, which has a fantastic streaming platform, I think is what the basis of ESPN Plus now is. I forget what it is. It's called, excuse me there, but um, MLB does terrific back-end streaming, so they're just taking it over and then developing you know, kind of their own pay platform. I think it's like $20 a month or $75 for the rest of the season for Padres fans to be able to watch it. And Interestingly enough, they actually now could have a larger audience because it's not restricted to having one of those uh, cable bundles or anything like that. It's just a one-off, so it makes it available to everybody. Um, but in terms of the Pacers, I have not heard anything directly about them or Bally Sports outside of um, them receiving seven seven Emmy nominations. But in terms of the direction of of next season or anything, nothing new on that front to report. What do you think? Like, do you think it's much more of a league wide issue? Like, is this where the NBA just kind of needs to step in and say, "All right, from an art regional sports network standpoint, we're going to do this," you know? Or in Phoenix's case, if I'm not. I think Matt Ishbia, their, their their new owner, did something a little bit different with their you know regional sports network situation. How much do you think the league could step in at some point and just kind of overhaul everything, or do you think this is very individualized by each ownership group? 
Yeah, it's just also complicated because there's millions and millions of dollars involved, all these billion-dollar organizations and the teams. And the latest that I've seen, in, in fact, of Ishbia and the Phoenix Suns organization is that it won't be allowed, that it, that it, they were sued and went to court and, and they ruled in favor uh, of the cable, the regional network out there. So I haven't heard anything beyond that here in the last couple of weeks because I was intrigued to see, hey, could they make that work? What does it look like? They were pushing, hey, this this will open us up to you know three million eyeballs, three a, a much larger population. Well, Indy doesn't have that, but um, you know I'd be all for something that would allow more people to view it because that's what it all comes down to um, is is exposing the product Pacers basketball to not just more fans but also younger fans. It's the same way um, we had out at IMS, those sorts of things. So I don't I don't think there's any great clarity. And to your point, KB, I, I think it's something that everyone's trying to figure out because they were so dependent on the regional networks and I guess still are. That is the largest individual income stream to the Pacers and probably to most teams. I mean, the, and the Lakers deal, by the way, is is probably 10x whatever the Pacers number is. That's how substantial these regional cable deals were, at least to these teams. But now I'm not sure where the course correction is. And and that's why I was so eager to see what it looked like with Phoenix, because you needed somebody to be rich enough and bold enough to try something else. Maybe it'll have to be, I don't know, Steve Ballmer out in the Clippers. He's done a little, he's done separate side broadcasts that also go on the NBA app, but he has not been bold enough to completely ditch a regional network. I'm telling you, can you like the Padres thing? If you're a Padres fan, and I mean, can you imagine the talk radio in San Diego and and the poor Scott Agnes of San Diego that's got to explain this to the two idiots in the morning in San Diego about the whole TV thing going back to that? I mean, the hell. At some point, don't. And Major League Baseball, I would argue, is even more reliant on it. Totally. I don't know, though. If you live in San Diego, aren't you like, oh, the Padres aren't on TV? Yeah, but, I'll go surfing. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I guess I bring that up to say this, Jake. Think about alternate broadcasts from Major League Baseball not on the regional sports networks. Apple TV on Friday nights. Uh, you know, b- baseball tonight. Like, uh, gone. you know, it, whereas in the NBA, you have ESPN broadcasts. You have ABC broadcasts. You have TNT. It's a little bit more readily available. Again, not as much for the small markets, but I just, I don't know. I feel like Major League Baseball is at a bigger issue with it all, but certainly the NBA has got a huge decision to make. I mean, I don't know. You're right. Interesting stuff for certain. Uh, Scott, what was Matherin doing at the finals yesterday? I love the Jermaine O'Neal pinstripe. Right, and with with his hair and braids from behind, he looks like him. That's the scary part, I thought. Like, but uh, no, uh, the NBA has, has had four rookies, four all members of the all rookie team out there uh, to kind of be social media correspondents. So I, I think they'll just pre- be creating a little bit of content for the NBA app and for NBA social media channels. So they did post one clip yesterday. Ben posted it as well on his Twitter feed of him going up and asking Jamal Murray, a guy he's close with, a fellow Canadian, uh, a question. The best part about it, KB, was he was like, hey, you remember, I think it was in 2019, we were at Basketball Without Borders, we played one-on-one, what happened? And Jamal's like, uh, yeah, dude, whatever, like, I'm in the finals press conference, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> and Ben goes through it like he's a LeBron and tells him play-by-play. It was hilarious uh, about what happened there. And it also speaks, I think, a lot to Matherin's competitiveness, that he remembers this pickup game that probably meant nothing to Jamal Murray four years ago, but it meant everything to him. You know, I was watching that, and I was thinking to myself, exactly that. I'm thinking, if you're Jamal Murray, aren't you like, look, man, it's, right. not, about, it's not about you right now, right? That, that's yeah, what I'm, entirely. You know. He's sitting there at the NBA Finals ready for the biggest game and moments of his life. By the way, Murray had a miserable last couple of years mentally trying to get over the hurdle of an ACL. And so, yeah, he, he's not thinking about this basketball without borders camp, although they are good friends. And then there was other videos, by the way, of Matherin, you know, talking to Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon was like, hey, what are you doing out here on the court? And he's like, I'm, I'm media. He's like, Aaron Gordon is like, so they're going to get you courtside. And Ben was like, I don't know. And I, I wanted to go, Ben. Don't worry, those courtside seats, those are no more in the media. I could teach you that. Yeah, you're right about that. Scott, I know I know you love predictions. Let's hear one for the finals. 
No oh boy, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't go away from Denver. How dominant they've been. Jokic, I think, and I was a big fan. I would have voted him MVP during the regular season. I was not too caught up. And hey, what does this mean for history if he has won three in a row? Which I think a lot were, but I think he's too unstoppable right now and playing dominant i'm a big proponent of them having all this rust the fact that they or excuse me had all this rest and haven't had to play for the last 10 days whereas miami's got to be just on its last leg that um all those factors I, I think it's denver's year kb how about you yeah, I went with Denver. I, it is interesting to see, um, I think Reggie Miller yesterday, I believe there was someone else on ESPN that both picked Miami. Jake, you said Miami in, in six? Well, I, I, yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. Do I think Miami's really going to win? I don't, but I've learned my lesson from doubting Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. So mm-hmm. I'll say Miami in six. Yeah, I, I win Denver in five. But the layoff is interesting. I just think they've got no answer for, for Jokic, and if Bam gets in foul trouble, oh boy. That's fair. That's right. Fair. And Jokic is so smart, he's the engine of their offense. So whatever they throw at him, okay, he'll pass out of it or he'll set everybody else up. I think he's, he's great at calling audibles. And yeah. they're, a te- they're, they're a team. Their culture is strong, much like Miami. I, I haven't seen that from Boston in many years. It's all about me, me, me. Did I get my points? No, it's Tatum. No, it's Brown. You know, is it market smarts night? Like, that did not seem like a collection of guys rather than just individuals trying to get theirs. Um, and plus, you got a first-year head coach. That's terribly difficult uh, that I don't think fans understand. And on top of that, he didn't have coaches that he was super close with. So I think you'll see his coaching staff being remade a little bit. And if I'm Boston and Brad Stevens, by the way, Dan Burks, you mentioned him earlier. I'm just thinking about it now. But bringing in someone like him, a veteran who could help handle so many things, DB would be perfect up there. But we'll see. Yeah, to your point, Jokic is a hell of a seven-foot quarterback. And how he's able to oh, orchestrate. And he is the least like. I mean, you look at him and you're like, really? This dude's the one like killing people in the NBA? Just sees things one, two plays ahead of everybody else. Scott, thanks for uh, the time this morning. Again, final start tonight at 8 o'clock, our coverage here on The Fan. And Scott, we'll have you today with Cam Whitmore's workout. Thanks, Scott. You bet. Thanks, guys.